Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple of blessing God. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all the all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of it? Kingdom to Israel, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here this morning once again. Praise be to God for his infinite love for you and for me. It's humbling to know that the Lord knows everything about us, our past, present, and future. Uh, he knows our hearts better than we know our own hearts. And yet he still chose to forgive us and to love us. We stand before the throne of God, not by our own righteousness, not by what we have done, what we are doing or what we will, what we will do. We do not stand before God because of our mistakes and our sins. But we stand before God on the righteousness of Jesus alone. It is to him that we cling. It is he who is in our midst. It is he who we fellowship with. It is he who loves and leads us. It is he who we speak with and listen to. Christ and Christ alone has cleansed us. That is why we are here today. That is why we can worship him. That is why we can be with brothers and sisters in Christ and continue to love one another, to walk the path of righteousness together, and to know that this path will have many, many obstacles. This path will have the enemy waiting, lying in wait for us to, to make us stumble. The enemy will be there to separate us as well, but we will stand firm. We will walk hand in hand together for our prize is Jesus and Jesus alone. 
And as we walk together hand in hand and love each other hand in hand, we can encourage one another and see Christ alive in our midst. Praise be to God who allows us to gather like this. Praise be to him who allows our hearts to long for perfect fellowship with one another. One day when Christ returns, one day we will gain the desires of our heart, Christ himself and perfect fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Today is a wonderful day. We finally come to the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24, verses 50 and 53. We come to the end of this Gospel. But in reality, the Gospel writer Luke himself wrote two of the books in the New Testament, Luke and Acts. In fact, you could say that this Luke is simply part one of his account of what he saw and acts as book two. Luke, the gospel of Luke could be seen as the life of Christ. And the book of Acts can be seen as the work of the Holy Spirit or the life of the church. And so in the New Testament that we have today, we have the order of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And that's sort of the way the, the fathers sort of put the books together, the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John's gospel. But in many ways, it would have been very nice to see the book of Acts come right after the book of Luke, because these two run together. And Luke is very much aware of what he's doing in the book of Acts when he says, listen, Theophilus, in my first book, I talked about all that Jesus did, all that Jesus taught, and all that he had commanded for us to do. And then in the book of Acts, he starts to proceed and say, well, let me tell you what happens after Jesus had spent his 40 days here in his resurrected body and when he ascended into heaven. And so we have this wonderful, wonderful narrative that Luke is giving us in Luke-Acts about this transition from the time of Christ to the time of the Holy Spirit. We as God's people in redemptive history, we live in the time of the Holy Spirit. We do not live in the time of Noah. We do not live in the time of, of the flood or after the flood. We do not live in the time of Abraham. We do not live in that time where Abraham is roaming, looking for the land. We do not live in the time of Moses, where we are under the law of Moses, trying to figure out what we should sacrifice and what these sacrifices actually mean and how efficacious these sacrifices are. And neither do we live in the time of the exile where people are wondering, when is God going to speak again? We live in a very special time in history and a very special time in redemptive history. We live in the time of the Holy Spirit. 
in this time of the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, when he resurrected from the dead, when he lived among the apostles and the disciples for 40 days, he taught them and prepared them for this next epic, this next chapter of how God was to deal with his people. Last two weeks or so, we went and saw how Jesus was teaching his disciples, was teaching the the two men on the road to Emmaus. All of the scriptures, he was trying to tell them that the Old Testament itself was basically their story as well. That they were, in fact, the, the, the ones who had gained the inheritance or the promises of the Old Covenants. That they were, that Jesus himself was the fulfillment of the priesthood. Who would be the priest who could offer this perfect sacrifice? What would be the perfect sacrifice? Well, it was Jesus as the priest. Jesus is the one who offered the sacrifice, and Jesus himself was the sacrifice. Who would be the prophet that the Old Testament was talking about that would return and speak the very words of God? Well, it was Jesus who came to fulfill the role of the prophet. Jesus himself is the only one who spoke the words, and Jesus himself in bodily form is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth came in Jesus, not simply in propositional sentences, but truth came in the flesh as a person, a relationship. That truth is not simply words, but truth as a person. Fulfillment of the Old Testament. And thirdly, who would be the king? Who would be the king in the line of David who would rule righteously over us and eventually would rule over all of the lands? And the answer to that was Jesus. Jesus himself is the prophet, the priest, and the king that the Old Testament was talking about. We talked a little bit about this in our Romans Bible study the previous week. And the question was sort of, what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah? What does it mean that he is the one who saves all people? The word Messiah is is very simple. It simply means the anointed one. Those who have been poured oil on their heads and have been given sort of a special office or a special role in God's kingdom. In the Old Testament, it was simple. There was either a prophet, as we talked about, a priest, as we talked about, or a king. Those were the only three positions that were anointed in God's eyes to rule over the people, to be God's mouthpiece, to be the one who interceded before God at offering sacrifices. And so when Jesus came as a Messiah, well, which one was he? The prophet, the priest, or the king? Was he more like David? Was he more like Moses? Who was he? And the answer that Jesus gives us as he talks with his disciples, as he talks with the men on Emmaus, is that he's all three. He is the ultimate Messiah. 
prophet, priest, and king in one. The second thing we learned is the, is the message that Jesus wanted us to have for all the peoples, for us to preach and to teach the people about repentance and forgiveness of sins. Now, this is the center of the message of the church, that without this message of the church, without us constantly reminding ourselves that we are sinners in need of God's grace, that we continue to live depending upon his grace, then if we don't listen to that, we've missed the mark on what Jesus came to do. His priesthood was to offer sacrifice so that we may gain forgiveness of sins and we are able to repent and our repentance is heard from the Lord. His prophetic office, he is there to declare the kingdom of God is near. Repent that you may enter the kingdom of God. In his kingly office, he, he tells people, listen, one day I will rule over all things. Those who have repented, those who I have forgiven, will enter into my kingdom as my people. And those who do not will not be able to enter. That all of these things center on the message of the kingdom of God, that to enter it is to have a heart of repentance, to know that Jesus will forgive us of our sins, and for us to declare that constantly to ourselves and constantly to one another. This is sort of where we ended last week. And here in Luke, end of Luke and the beginning of Acts, Luke gives us a little bit more description of what Jesus has taught. And Jesus has taught basically two, two or three different things, but I'm going to try to do two, maybe a third. One is this. He told us the extent to where we were to carry the message of God. The extent to where we are to carry the message of God. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the message of the cross of repentance and forgiveness of sins is not a private message just for us and us alone. The message of the cross is not meant simply for us inwardly to enjoy and inwardly to take refuge in. The message of the cross must expand outward and must continue outward. Jesus says, listen, the reason why I am leaving is because I need all of you to go. And I need all of you to tell all the world that they need to repent and come to faith in me. Now here, geographically, Jesus is saying, listen, we will start in Jerusalem. Then in sort of like concentric circles, we will go to Judea. 
and they will spread out to Samaria. And then we will go to the ends of the earth to declare to all the nations that Jesus Christ is Lord. When I think about something like this, I often think that we as God's people need to have hearts that are open outward and not inward. That we need to have an attitude where we are not building a fortress trying to keep the world out, but we are trying to build a place where we can go out from to teach the very words of God, to be a blessing to all and to love all. I was watching a documentary about this one gentleman who became very, very wealthy overnight. And his attitude towards his wealth was very interesting. He didn't become a philanthropist. He didn't want to share his wealth or to to help others with his wealth. But instead, he built this concrete house with fences, with security. And it was sort of this impenetrable fortress that he built and that he sort of just um, um, buried himself in. No one knew where he was. No one knew what he was doing. He took the wealth that he had and he selfishly sort of um, 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 selfishly took it simply all for himself. I think in many ways, when, when we have the gospel of Jesus, is that sometimes we, we take the gospel and we take it for ourselves and we keep it to ourselves. For many of us, our homes are a place of refuge. Praise be to God. It should always be a refuge for God's people. But when our home becomes simply a fortress that keeps all of the elements out, then we have in a sense, are starting to fail what we are doing because already in our heads, in our hearts, we are thinking that no one or nothing should be able to come and penetrate our homes. But our home should not only be a place of refuge for us, but our home should be a refuge for other people. We should see our homes and our lives as not something where we hoard things, but a place where we go out and share our our base, where we welcome people in, but also from where we go out and share the gospel to all peoples. There is no one in your life that you should say, I don't need to share the gospel with them. There's no one that you run into in this world, that you should say, I don't need to share Jesus's love with them. There is no time in your life, whether you are suffering or whether you are in blessing, that you should say, I'm not ready or prepared to share the gospel love with these people. The extent of our sharing of the gospel 
It's not simply for ourselves and our families, but we are to reach out and out further and further to the people that God brings into our fold to share the good news. We know what the message is. We know the extent to where we should go. My challenge to all of you is to share Jesus with someone. God knows we need some good conversations today, don't we? Lord knows we need to have conversations that are edifying. Lord knows we need some conversations that deal with with the Lord and his mercy. Share God's love with those around you. My challenge to you is, is quite simple. Let us take, take time to pray today and say, Lord, during this week, prompt me to share the gospel to at least one person this week. Prompt me. I don't know how it's going to come out of my mouth. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. But be with me and prompt me. This world, in a sense, the ends of the world has come to us. Be it face to face. Be it through Zoom. Be it through social media. Whatever it may be. Our duty is to share the news of Jesus to all. Point two, we might think that Jesus himself, why'd you leave? Wouldn't it have been wonderful if Jesus stayed on this earth after his resurrection, built his kingdom in Jerusalem? set up his throne room, and then people from the ends of the earth can come and worship him. God had a different plan, though. God knew that in order for all people to come to know him, they need to have a change of heart. And in order for them to have that change of heart, Jesus had to go so the Holy Spirit can come. And this Holy Spirit that comes, this third person in the Trinity, comes to God's people and enables them to repent and believe. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot believe in Christ. But with the Holy Spirit, we can believe in Christ. And not only that, the Holy Spirit's role is to empower God's people to be his witnesses. In Acts chapter 1, in Luke, in the end of Luke, the focus by the gospel writer is the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to send you out to be witnesses. Yes, it is to convict of sin, like I said before. Yes, it is to bring people to Christ like we see before, like we see in Romans. But here in Luke Acts, the focus is very, very, very clear. 
I will send you my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit will aid you in being my witnesses. So think of it this way, brothers and sisters. God places his Holy Spirit in his people and then he scatters them. He scatters them to the ends of the earth that each and every one of us may be witnesses of his grace and witnesses of his mercy. And each of you, because you know Christ and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the power of God to speak the very words of God to people, to love people with the gospel message. Do not think that you are weak. Do not think that you do not have the right words. Do not think that you have you, you are not trained. Trust in the power of God. Trust in the testimony He has given you. Trust that God is in the circumstances that He has given you. Trust that the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Trust that the Holy Spirit will speak through that person, speak to that person. Trust that God in His infinite love will bless that conversation. Trust that God Himself can bring that heart of stone and turn that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You yourself came to know Christ not out of knowledge, not out of your own effort, but you came to know Christ because someone told you about Jesus. And by God's grace and His Holy Spirit, you believed. The end of the Gospel of Luke, the beginning of Acts, is our marching orders. Just like the end of Matthew with the Great Commission. The end of the Gospels ends with the imperative. You. You go and make disciples. You go and share God's word. You go and talk about repentance and forgiveness of sin. All of what I wrote to tell you about your Savior and how much he loves you comes down to these marching orders. Go and tell people about the love of Christ. Brothers and sisters, praise be to God for all that he has done. Praise be to God for his spirit that lives in you and me. We are here today to be his soldiers, his messengers. People are in need of the good news. They really are. And no matter how imperfectly you share the news, it's okay. God will use you. No matter how much you are, you feel like you've strayed from God, share 
God will still use you. For God's word is a testimony in and of itself. God's word has the power to bring people into faith. Praise be to him. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy in all things. We thank you, Lord, for your word that you have given and bestowed upon your people. Your word and your word alone is truth. There's no doubt about that. And Lord, when we read your Gospels, your Gospel ends with your disciples going out and sharing and declaring the good news of Jesus. And Lord, that message pertains to us today. Forgive us, Lord, for hoarding the good news of Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, of not seeing others, Lord, as people who need to hear the gospel of Christ. Forgive us, Lord, for not wanting to suffer. Forgive us, Lord, for being ashamed. But Lord, instead, help us to honor you, to love you, and to share that love with others. Lord, I, we know that we will fail miserably in many ways but that's okay for your love for us is, is greater than those failures. May your name be praised and praised alone. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen.